Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. The book of Isaiah chapter 6. You're going to see why that this was this, this was kind of a confirmation. This is a this is a fresh word or fresh uh, what I like to call fresh manna that I feel like God had given to me uh, even last night. I, I, I've been telling people I don't understand, Pastor, why God speaks to me the way that He speaks to me. I wish that He could speak to me during the day, but it seems like more here lately, especially over the last several months. God begins speaking to me right before I go to bed, right when I want to go to bed. Uh, and then he begins to just, hey, I want to talk to you. Or he'll wake me up very early in the morning to let me know that, hey, I want to, I want to talk to you. And so this is, this. what I'm going to share with you tonight is a product of God keeping me up late last night and begin just to share with me and just to begin to just pour into me a few things. And I want to pour into you a few things tonight, if the Lord will help me. Because I believe, you remember, remember in 2020, before the pandemic hit, before everything was shut down, before, uh, before we all had to go on lockdown, everybody was saying 2020, it's the year of 2020 vision. But we didn't see a pandemic coming, did we? Most of us, not anybody really that I personally knew, uh, could see what was on the horizon. That wasn't. That's not. That's that's not being judgmental. That's not casting stones. I believe that it took everybody by surprise. We weren't. We weren't expecting anything like that. And it would seem like it would seem like that since that time. It would seem like that since that time that more often for the American church, we're just kind of, Sister Steele, just kind of wanting to just coast along. But I believe that what God is wanting to do is God is wanting to refocus and renew the vision that he has for the people of God. And God brought me last night to Isaiah chapter 6. It's a very familiar portion of scripture. And I want to share this with you and then give you the title of my teaching tonight. And hope that it will help us and stir something in us. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. The Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and lifted up in his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two they covered their feet. With two they did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. 
Then said I, woe is me. For I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. This could not have happened had Isaiah not had a fresh vision of the Lord. And tonight, if the Lord will help me, I want to talk to you simply on a thought in this teaching tonight. I want to talk to you on vision that matters. Vision that matters. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord. God, I just ask you that you would just anoint your word. Help us tonight, Lord, as we as we dig into this. And Father, whenever we'll cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all in Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. And Amen. Amen. We understand tonight, church, that God places a high premium. On vision. God places a high premium on vision. And what we are looking at. Where our gaze is fixed. That's the reason why that he would say in Hebrews chapter 12. And he would say we look unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Because we understand that lack of vision always brings about Problems. The wisest man in the world, Solomon, would say, and Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, he would say, without vision, people perish. One translation would say, without the proper vision, people will always cast off restraint. Now, what does that mean for us tonight, church? It means that where we look matters. We're all looking at something. All of us, our vision is tied to something. But where we are looking at and what our vision is tied to matters. You've heard the expression before and you've heard it talked about before about the windshield in the rear view mirror. There's a reason why one is called a windshield and one is called a rear view mirror. It is not designed for us to get to our destination looking into a rear view mirror. But if we are going to arrive safely to where, where we need to be in the physical, we always have to be looking out the front. Okay, I'm getting ready to preach here. And the same thing is true with our spiritual lives. Where we, where we ascribe our vision to, where we are looking at will ultimately determine where we're going to go and where we are going to end up. Again, we are always looking in a direction with our vision. And it's not that, that sometimes that we have no vision spiritually, but it is where our vision is fixed on. They tell us tonight, church, 
the old saying says that, that the eyes are the windows to the soul. The eyes are the windows to the soul. You show me what you're looking at and I will show you the direction that you're going in. Oh, you're not going to help me here tonight. And show me what you're looking at and I will show you the direction that you're going in. That's the reason why Paul the Apostle would tell the Corinthian church, he would say, listen, it is important who is around you. Why? He said, because evil company corrupts everything about you. I, I feel this right now. And I believe even though that in 2020, when there was a lot of prophecies that were coming out about the vision of the church and about 2020 vision and about the direction that we were going into and nobody could predict or, 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 or begin to see what was on the horizon of the global pandemic that would shut down the nation and shut down the entire world at one moment time. But what I do sense in my spirit in this moment is God is calling the church of the living God back to a fresh vision, back to a fresh anointing, back to a fresh fervency and power in the spirit of God. He is calling us. You cannot be looking at everything that is around us. I understand that the political system is upset, but your help does not come from a political system. I understand that the economy is in a bad shape, but your help does not come from the economy. I understand that people are acting crazy right now, but your help does not come from people right now. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We are crying out for revival. We are looking and expecting a move of the Holy Spirit of God. And my brothers and sisters, that move of the Spirit will not take place unless our eyes are focused in the right direction. You see, here's what we got to understand. Revival and vision go hand in hand. We'll say that again. Revival and vision go hand in hand. I want you to, I, I, I wish I could have got with Brother Jacob in time to just to put this up on the, on, the, on the screen because I think that it's very important. But revival and vision go hand in hand. And you need to understand something. If you have no vision, you have no revival. But if you know vision, K-N-O-W, then you know revival. See, no vision equals no revival. But when you have vision, you have revival. All right. You see, 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 43 and 44 tells us about a man. Elijah has a showdown with the corruption that is going on in the world at that moment. In the nation at that moment. And we understand the, we understand the, the implication is what is happening here. The people have gotten far away from God. There's a wicked king. There's a wicked queen that have come to the forefront. Elijah stops by and says, you know what? We're going to have a showdown on Mount Carmel. While we're having a showdown on Mount Carmel, the God that answers by fire, he's going to be God. He prays just a simple prayer of the fire of God. 
falls down onto the altar and consumes the sacrifice, and then he looks over at Ahab and he tells Ahab, Ahab, get up in your chariot and get to town. He says, because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. It had not rained in that land for three and a half years. But he heard a sound. I don't have time to preach about it necessarily very deep about what the sound was. But the sound was not just simply just a knock or a rattle. It was a declaration from the throne room of God that said, hey, I'm getting ready to see rain. But Elijah had a servant. Elijah had a servant that came to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. I don't see what, what you are talking about. I do not see, I do not see the result of what you are saying. Oh, I hear it all. I hear what you're saying, but I don't see the result of it. That's okay. That's okay, servant. Go look again. Because even though that you can't see it the first time, doesn't mean that God's word is going to fall to the ground. My goodness, I'm getting ready to preach right now. Just because you can't see right now, just because, just because the conditions in the sky still look the same way that they did just nine minutes ago, does not mean that there isn't something that is coming. Doesn't mean that something is not on the way. You see, if we're not careful, if you're not careful, we'll allow those naysayers that have no vision, that have no way to perceive what God is doing in the earth right now. Oh, I'm getting ready to preach here. They have no are able to perceive what God is doing in the earth right now to rob us of our vision. And I believe that the enemy right now in this day and in this hour and in this season for our church and for the church across town and for the churches across America is to get us to a place where we refuse to see what God Almighty is doing. But I believe that God is raising up men and women in this hour that have a fresh vision, that have a fresh anointing, that have a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost of God on their life. And they say, hey, I see what's going on right now in the world. I see everything is falling apart. But I also, I see the Lord and he's high lifted up and he's still sitting on the throne. Oh, the Republicans may have lost their seats. Congressmen may have lost their seats. But my God has never lost his seat. He's still sitting on the throne. And if he's still sitting on the throne, I can see with spiritual eyes what he's going to do. Can somebody? Oh. Oh. See. See, promises are robbed because of issues with vision. Numbers 13. Is this okay tonight? Numbers 13. Promises, we rob ourselves of promise because of vision. Numbers 13. Children of Israel are getting ready to go into the land of Canaan and take the land. They spy out the land. They go to look at the land. Twelve spies enter into that land. Now here's the first thing. Are you ready? And I just looked at this just the other day and said, still it was just amazing. God never commanded them to actually go spy out the land. I'll just let you chew on that one for a minute. They were actually, I'm a firm believer, they were actually operating outside of the boundaries of what God had commanded them to do. 
God simply told him, go take the land. But we got to go check it out. When they come back, all the, they're, they're ranting and raving about it. And they say, you know what? It's everything God says that it is. I mean, look, we've got grapes the size of basketballs. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's exactly what God says it's going and that it's going to be. But I have learned, I'm not smart in English. I, but I know this. When somebody's talking to you, Brother Johnny, and they're telling you how good you are, and then they say, but. The English language tells me that when they put that but there, it is to say, forget everything else I just told you. This is really what I want to tell you about. Oh, it's everything. It's everything that God said it was. But there's challenges in life. And listen to what they say. They say we were grasshoppers in our sight. And because we were grasshoppers in our sight, we became grasshoppers in their sight. The interesting thing is, is they never became grasshoppers to the enemy until they perceived themselves that way. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to preach. Can I just step down here this morning? This is not in my notes, but I'm just going to go ahead and just preach it here real quick. Sister Shook, can I just be very, very honest? I am sick and tired of, of people in the church. I get frustrated over people in the church that act still weak and anemic in their walk with God. Brother Scott, you'll ask them, well, how are you doing today? And they begin to look at you and go, well, I want to tell you right now, Pastor Jeremy, why God needed this look on just such a poor, never-wretched old old miserable sinner like me and I don't deserve any of this and I, I'm just you know, I understand being humble and I understand I understand all of that I understand I understand the concept of what the Bible says that we ought not to think highly of ourselves than we ought to but my goodness we ought to understand our position in the kingdom we ought to understand that we are king's kids and when we come out of darkness into his marvelous light my goodness I'm preaching right now when we come out of darkness into his marvelous light we're no longer some this wretched old broke down poor sinner that why God will this even just look our way we are sons and daughters of the most high God we are, we are the church triumphant we walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That same anointing that rests upon Jesus is the same anointing and power that rests in us who are blood bought, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you when we get when we get the vision of who we are in Christ, my goodness, when we get the vision of who we are in Christ, we won't step back and say, "Well, I'm just old, this old miserable sinner saved by grace." No, you're not. You are not. A sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace. But when you step out of darkness into the marvelous light, you become a saint in the eyes of God. You become justified by the blood of the Lamb. That wasn't in my notes. Y'all can have that for free. But the thing about it is, their own vision robbed them of the promise. And I am convinced 
I'm going to get to the I'm going to get to the text here if the Lord will help me. I am convinced tonight, church, that if we are to see lasting, sustained revival, vision must be restored. You see, the church is in operation. Now, okay, thank you, Holy Ghost. The church is in operation. But it's what type of church that is in operation. Now, see, here's the thing. Jesus said, upon the rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But what type of church is operating? You see, in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, when he begins to talk to seven churches, five of the seven churches are not operating according to his standard. As a matter of fact, the last church that he talks to, the church at Laodicea, he calls them the lukewarm church. God's going to have to help me here because when I get to talking about this, I really just want to dig deep into all of this. And so just bear with me for a minute. I was taught, Sister Steele, growing up, that a lukewarm church meant a church that was riding the fence. I was taught that a lukewarm church, that when God says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, that God's telling the church, I'd rather you be on fire for me or I'd rather you just be living out there in the world for the devil. But instead, you are right. You are you are you are riding the fence. Here's my first question: Why in the world would God look at a people and say, "You know what? I wish you would just worship the devil." But we've had but we've had that talk in our church. I'd rather you be on fire for me, or as probably in the hills of Kentucky we would say, "Far," right? On fire for God. Or cold for the word. You've heard it preached that way, right? Needless to say that we've misapplied that scripture for an entire generation. I'm not saying I'm an expert on this, but it helps if we understand the context of what he was talking about. The church at Laodicea had no natural water source to it. They had to have their water source pumped in. By the time that the water got to where it was at, regardless of where they would pump it in from, it would become lukewarm and it would make the people sick. Now in the towns miles away, there was Hierapolis, and thank you Lord for letting me remember that just now. Uh, Hierapolis who had hot mineral springs where people would go to and they would soak in those hot mineral springs to receive, to, to receive therapeutic healing in their bodies. But then there was another there was another town that had cold refreshing springs. What I feel like that the Lord was telling the church at Laodicea is that your type of church makes people sick. When people come into your building and when people come around you, you don't bring healing and you don't bring refreshing. You're just kind of there. And instead of anybody getting better, everybody comes in bound. And they leave back. They come in sick. They leave sick. Uh, they come in oppressed. They leave out oppressed. They come in with the devil tearing up their family. And they leave with the devil tearing up their family. Why? Because there's nothing flowing. And he says the reason why that there's nothing flowing. Is he says listen. Here's something that you need to do. He said you say that you're poor. That you say that you're rich and increased with goods. And you have need of nothing. 
that. But he said, I looked at you and you're blind, miserable, poor, and naked. And he said, I counsel you. He said, anoint your eyes with eyesight so that you may see. What do I think that God's doing in the earth right now? I tell you what I think God's doing in the earth right now. I think God is opening up the church's eyes. Oh, I, oh, I believe that God is opening up the eyes of the American church right now to let us know we fed them coffee and donuts and donuts and coffee didn't do it. We've tried, we've tried everything in the world to bring them to Jesus Christ and it happened. But if he says, if you just direct your vision to the one who sits on the throne, I'll send you a lasting revival. Oh, my Oh, you see, Isaiah, I'm not even to my first point, really. But I'm going to try to get through this here in the next few minutes. Isaiah lived during a time when he needed to experience a fresh vision. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. We're living in a day we need to see something. Now listen, I'm thankful for the things that we see, but if we don't see him. And he said in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. So I told you, we're all looking at something. But it's important for us to understand what the vision is that matters. And so three things real quick. I'm going to try to make this fast. Vision that matters, number one, vision must be Upward. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. I always wondered, can I just say this real quick? I always wondered, Sister Tanya, when we come to the Lord to worship, we always do this. When in my opinion, when you put an asterisk beside this, to let everybody know that, hey, this is Brother Jeremy's opinion, when I believe we should be doing this. David said, I will lift up my eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. Now listen, I understand reverence. I understand all of that. Don't get me, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But Isaiah saw the Lord. He wasn't low. He was highly exalted. He saw the Lord. He felt the Lord. He heard the Lord. And God's glory was manifested even in the most difficult time. Here's what I find that is interesting. The Bible says, it's in the year that King Uzziah died and God's glory was also manifested in a dark period. Now here's the thing. The circumstances didn't change. Uzziah was still dead. And the nation was still mourning. But God, in essence, is saying, I can still reveal my glory even in the darkest part of the battle. Mm. See, we think 
that God's glory is only revealed when our circumstances change. And I'm thankful for when it changes. But we've got to understand that God's glory is also revealed in the darkest part of the night. And he sees the angels flying around and it lets me know that heaven wasn't rattled by the circumstances going on in Israel. I'm about to run in this place. Heaven is not rattled. We may be rattled with what's going on in New York right now. The fact that they've got a guy indicted up there. We may be rattled and think that heaven ought to be rattled as well. But heaven ain't rattled by what's going on in earth. Heaven's not being rattled by what's going on in Washington, D.C. Heaven's not rattled by what's going on in Staten, Kentucky right now. Heaven's not rattled by any of that. Because regardless of the situation that is happening on the earth right now, Isaiah said, even in the midst of the chaotic mess, I still saw the Lord and he was high and he was lifted up and the glory of his ray of his train filled the temple. We've got to understand heaven is not shaken by what we are going through right now. I tell you what was shaken though. The temple was shaken. The temple was shaken by his presence. And this morning as I was writing this stuff down, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, I'm going to once again shake my people with my presence. In a day, in an age where we have become used to church. God says, I'm getting ready to reveal my glory that shakes the temple. And I'm not necessarily talking about the building. Because now, you and I are the temple of the Spirit of God. And my question, oh, when was the last time, oh, when was the last time that we had a power encounter vision of God? Saul encountered the power on the road to Damascus. Moses encountered the power in a burning bush. Isaiah encountered the power when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. The only way that we can encounter the power of God one more time in our churches is to fix our vision toward him who sits on the throne. Our vision has got to be upward. Number two, our vision must be inward. When he sees the Lord, Isaiah is immediately aware of every weakness and shortcoming that he has. Because what does Isaiah say? Isaiah immediately says, Whoa. Woe is me. Woe is me. You see, without vision, we cast out, we cast off proper restraint. You see, when our vision is not focused upward, then our vision cannot be focused inward. And can I tell you real quick? 
Have you ever thought, have you ever tried to figure out whether or not if a person is truly backslidden or not? Sometimes we think people are backslidden because we hear them cuss or we see them do this or do that. I believe that a lot of that stuff is ultimately the end result of what we get to. But here's the thing. Ten things real quick. I'm, I'm just going to read these. Ten things real quick that show that our vision is misplaced. Number one, it's a lack of, of spiritual enjoyment. If you just don't enjoy the presence of the Lord like you used to, Number two, outward formality. I'm here, but I'm just going. It's just become a ritual. Number three, an ungoverned temper. If you fly off the handle every time something doesn't go your way and Christian parts get scattered everywhere, it may be a sign that your vision is misplaced and you are starting to go back. Number four, your conversation. When you stop talking about the things of God and you start talking about more of the things of this world and your problems and your difficulties more than you do about the things of God. Uh, number five, worldly amusements. You don't find your entertainment through the things of God. You now got to go seek them elsewhere. Hmm. Number six, no concern over lost souls. I was just talking recently to another pastor that went and tried out at a church. And he was talking to the board how there was a heavy Hispanic population around there and he saw the need of possibly having a Hispanic service at that church as well when one of the board members looked at him and said, well, if they want to hear the gospel, they need to learn English. Those people are backslidden. When you're not concerned over lost souls, when you can look around. Sister Jessica told me something, and I'm trying to hurry here. Sister Jessica told me something Sunday night that she, that just, she said it broke me when I saw it, when went over to the Easter service there at Stanton Christian. And she said, posted in there is the approximately, uh, uh, the approximate number of lost souls that are in our camp. And I think she told me, she said, I, she said, I can't remember the exact number, but it was like over 9,000 in our county that are lost and on their way to hell. If that doesn't bother you to do something about it. My brothers and sisters. We are living in a backslidden condition. A critical spirit. I don't need to say anything there. Self-indulgement. When, when, when church becomes more about me. And my wants and my desires. No consistent prayer life. I believe that we're living in that day and age right now. And no interest in the word of God. When we refuse to look inwardly after we have seen the Lord 
and, and it shows us our shortcomings. See, we're living in a day and age in a church where we want to tell everybody how great they are. At the funeral this past Monday for Sister Kathy's sister, I love what our pastor said as he got up and he began to give the message. He said, everybody wants to think at this moment everybody's going to go to heaven. He said, so it's, he said, so it, so it's better when we know with assurance where they're at. But we want to tell everybody, you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. But the truth of the matter is, when we see the Lord, when our vision is upward and we begin to see our vision inwardly, it makes me, I don't know about you guys, but it makes me understand how short I come up with the mission that God has given me. Now listen, when we search inwardly and he begins to change us, I've already said this, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Allow God then, allow God to allow you to see yourself as God sees you. Now here's the thing, God sees you one of two ways. He either sees you broken and lost and on your way to hell or He sees you redeemed by the blood. So our vision must be focused inwardly. And the number three, I'm trying, I know that, I know all of that right there was very, very heavy. But I'm trying to hurry here. Number three, not only is our vision that matters has to be upward and inward, but then it has to become outward. Because after this, he sees the Lord high and lifted up. He sees, he really he looks inwardly and realizes that he comes up short. His iniquity and sin is purged and taken away. And then he hears the voice of God that says, who's going to go? And Isaiah is ready to fulfill the, men, the mandate on his life. His ears are open. Can I tell you something? And God rocked me today when he spoke this to me. And I had to write it down. God can't speak through you if he can't speak to you. If he can't speak to you, if he can't speak to me, we're another, he is under no obligation to say, then I will speak through you. But Isaiah, at this moment, when your vision is correct, then we can successfully fulfill the mission. His vision was now outward to a people that were away from God. Give me the next three or four minutes to finish this up, and I'm going to. Our vision. I told my wife the other night when I got home, we were sitting down and we were talking. And I said, I'm afraid. For far many, for far too many churches, and you're talking to somebody that is traveling in all these churches and is preaching, I'm thankful for what God is doing. But far too often, 
Pastor Tony, I go into these churches and this is what I realize. I realize that we have become maintainers of the aquarium instead of catching fish. What can we do to keep the lights going? What can we do to keep everybody happy? What can we do to make sure nobody gets offended? What can we do just to make everybody at ease that's already here? Hmm. And failing to understand that when the vision is outward, the vision tells us we've got to lift up our eyes to the fields for they already are white unto harvest. Jesus is telling his disciples in John chapter 4 and I almost done. He's telling his disciples in John chapter 4 after he is already after he's already talked to the woman at the well in Samaria, and they come back and they're talking to him and they're amazed. And listen to what he says. He says, do not say four more months and then comes the harvest. Where Listen, I, I, I'm in too many places and I've talked to too many leaders and pastors that look at me, Sister Steele, and this is what they tell me. Oh, well, I like to have revival. I like to have this and I like to have that. But you know what? We're just going to have to wait a few more months down the road. We're going to have to, we've got to get this taken care of. We've got to get that taken care of and everything. And every time that I hear those excuses, I begin to think to myself, oh, say not now, there's four more months of income of the harvest. Jesus said, lift up your eyes into the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. You know what that tells me? They're already ready to be reaped. The seed's already been planted. The seed's already been watered. He's just looking for somebody to go out there and to reap the field. Can I, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now as I preach this. Can I tell you, harvest time, there are 9,000 souls out here in Cal County. The, the seeds have already been planted. They've already been watered. They're just waiting on somebody to go out there and to reap the field. You don't have to beg them. You don't have to plead them to get into church. All you've got to do is walk in the power and the authority and the anointing of Jesus Christ and watch them come in from the north, south, and the east, from the west, and they will come in and they're all the time is now. The time's now. I want to say that again. The time is now. Who should I go? Who should go? Isaiah says, send me. Here I am. Vision that matters. It's got to be upward. You've got to look to him. It's got to be inward. You've got to realize your shortcomings, your inabilities. Let him purge that out and then see yourself the way that God sees you. And then look outward. begin to look outward. I wrestled with, with saying this, but I just feel I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So I'm just I'm, I'm gonna say it and please please understand me and what I'm getting ready to say here. We have heard the prophecies spoken over this church, right? What are they? The one that comes to my mind is, is that a thousand people are gonna stand in this place. I don't know how that's going to be accommodated. I have no idea. That's not up to me. But here's the question. What are we doing to help facilitate that? 
Gone are the days of just waiting on them to come in. Those days are long gone. But he said, go out into the fields. Go out into the highways and the hedges. Compel them so that my house might be full. Can I tell you, when God was giving me this message, I looked at my wife and I said, I haven't been obedient to that call. I'm just being honest with you. I looked at her and I said, I have not been obedient to that call. Why? Because my vision is misplaced. We're all looking at something. But where we are looking at matters. And I believe that God is getting ready to restore the vision. Do you believe that tonight? If you're able to stand with me all over this house, hallelujah. enjoyed today's message by evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007, or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.